Welcome to this week's Dairy Dialogue podcast, and it is episode 95. If you've listened to all 95, you deserve a medal. To me, 95 means two things. The I-95 road in the eastern US, which starts off quiet in Maine and then isn't quiet at all. And for those of you with children, it's the number of Lightning McQueen. Whoever thought that Lightning McQueen would make it onto the Dairy Dialogue podcast? And a little bit of trivia for you, whether you cared for it or not. Lightning is just his nickname. His real name is Montgomery. I'm Jim Cornall, editor of Dairy Reporter and reluctant purchaser of way more variations of Lightning McQueen cars than seems possible, especially seeing as now my son wants to sell them all to buy Lego. Anyway, this isn't a podcast about toys, and so I will tell you who the guests are on the show this week. We have conversations with Pim Van Hay, manager of innovation, R&D and technology at Royal DSM, Tali Nekustan, CEO of InnovaPro, and Brent Vortier, Senior Research Technologist at Fonterra. And we also have our weekly look at the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton from StoneX. It's been another weird weather week with rain causing landslides and then the next day it's hot and sunny. I did manage to get a few nice walks in over the last couple of weeks when I was allegedly on holiday, so that's good. It felt a bit like London as well, at least for an hour last weekend, when the world's largest plane from Ukraine landed at Prestwick Airport, which is pretty close to home. It's not a huge airport in terms of capacity, but it does have a very big runway, and I think everyone in Scotland drove to see it for some reason. So it looked like the M25 in the rush hour, or indeed the I-95 in the rush hour. Schools are back in Scotland as of today, so that's going to be interesting how that pans out, and it's also going to be strange being home alone for the first time in five months. Hopefully I don't forget to go and pick him up after school later in the day. Anyway, before we dive into the interviews, let's take a look at the news from the past seven days. Dairy News, that is. Pack Expo has announced an online event as the physical show, like most others, has been cancelled for the first time. Triseal has invested $1 million in a new closure liner manufacturing facility in India. Plant-based ice cream NPD is on the rise as Japan has overtaken the US for the most new products launched in the ice cream sector. New ingredient starches have been launched that support simpler labels. And the Snack Accelerator 2020 competition was launched in California. Seelig launched an online toolkit for troubleshooting during the pandemic, and Ron Ma is introducing A2 Milk to Malaysia. Ala Foods Ingredients launched its first organic ingredient. Saputo published its financials, which revealed that it is merging its two US divisions, and it's also introducing the UK brand Cathedral City to Canada. Christian Hansen made a donation to Dairy Without Borders, and in the UK, Shaken Udder has launched a plant-based brand called Shaken Udder. A Scottish project that is a consortium of educational establishments and industry has received government funding to develop digital dairy solutions, and a company we featured on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, although it may be more than a couple of weeks, I lose track, Food Union, has published its financials. 
Food Union is a dairy company that specializes in ice cream and is based in the Baltics and staying with ice cream in that part of the world. I think my favorite story of the week was from Lithuania with an article on 12 bizarre ice cream flavors Lithuanian chefs have come up with. If you haven't seen it, check it out and let me know how many of the 12 you'd actually be willing to try. I'll give you a few highlights and those are pine needle ice cream, which I imagine tastes like vanilla with one of those pine car air fresheners in it. Quark and nettle ice cream, hopefully that doesn't sting your tongue. There's carrot ice cream and then there's seaweed and caviar ice cream. That's one ice cream, not two. Seaweed and caviar, I think I'll pass on that one. There's also another interesting combo, spinach and tarragon. Um, That's another no from me. There's also beer ice cream, and I started to wonder if after eating eight of them you can still stand up. And for me the strangest of the lot, if those weren't already weird, is smoked mackerel ice cream, which sounds a bit fishy. And I will avoid all of the fish puns that just appeared in my head. So you can read about odd ice cream flavours, and much more, at DairyReporter.com. So let's get on with the interviews. First up this week is Pim van Hey, Manager of Innovation, R&D and Technology at Royal DSM. The company launched its Delvo plant range of enzymes recently for optimizing the taste, texture and sweetness of plant-based drinks. And Pim will tell us more. Basically, uh, DSM is always looking uh, for opportunities uh, to uh, match its uh, technological capabilities to market needs. So we did some research in 10 countries and found that about 53% of the consumers are looking for uh, yeah, buying more plant-based alternatives the coming three to five years, which which shows that uh, there's really a plant-based market uh, already existing, but, but also will uh, give significant growth. And if you look at the market size today, the estimate is that it's about 17.5 billion euros worth of retail sales. And the primary basis for this plant-based market is the plant-based drinks. And uh, the expected growth is about uh, 3.1%. And when you look at why this is growing, consumers are looking uh, for more options for their food. Uh, there is, of course, the flexitarians that are looking for, for more choices, but also more people becoming vegetarian or, or vegan in, uh, in their diets, at least. As a purpose-led, performance-driven and science-based company that DSM is in, in the food and nutrition space, we basically then look at how we can, using our capabilities, bring solutions to that market. We're talking about a, a launch that we have recently done of our Delvo plant range. That is what we what we did. We wouldn't do that if there wasn't a challenge to be solved. The key challenges nowadays in the plant-based alternative market is that consumers no longer think it's enough that a product is plant-based. They're also looking for good tasting, so that's flavor and, and texture, of course, but also uh, nutritional value is, is key in that respect. And that's what we have been focusing on in the developments. And uh, our Delvo plant enzyme range basically complements the wider portfolio that DSM uh, has for this market. And what benefits do these enzymes offer compared to other things that will be on the market? And and how do they help the producer meet the demand of the consumers? Yeah, so if, if you zoom in on to the, uh, the dairy alternative market, the biggest part of the market um, is basically the cereal-based drinks versus the non-cereal-based drinks like soy and almond. At least the growth is, is coming from there. And then if you look at the consumer needs, for instance, regarding sweetness profiles, then you see that there's regional differences in the sweetness that uh, that consumers want. 
So, for example, in Northern Europe, consumers are looking for less sweetness and in Southern Europe for, for more sweetness. And uh, our, our enzyme offering allows our customers to actually tailor the sweetness and the mouthfeel of these products. I guess plant-based alternatives are really taking off now. I wonder if you could explain a bit more about the, the rise in popularity and how you're addressing that and what you see as the future in that particular sector. Yeah, well, as I already indicated, there's a clear trend that is pushed by consumers and picked up by manufacturers and then together with us as ingredient solution provider. What we see as growth areas, I already referred to that consumers are becoming more demanding when it comes to flavor, sensory aspects and also nutritional value. And we believe that in all areas, there's still a lot of innovation headspace to further improve these products. Do companies come to you and say, we want to develop this kind of product? Is that how how you would develop your, your solutions? Yes, partly. And of course, also when we look ourselves at market trends and consumer needs in our own studies, uh, we pick up on possibilities, but for sure also in, in collaboration, very close collaboration with our customers. Yeah, and that's where you, uh, for example, see that uh, about three years ago, when we uh, had conversation with customers, that nutritional value was still on a relatively uh, low on the agenda. It was much more about uh, flavor and texture. Uh, and now with the nutritional value also being higher on the agenda, we of course look for solutions. And uh, as DSM has a, a, a rather broad portfolio of ingredient solutions, we can also incorporate uh, vitamins, uh, essential minerals, but also uh, partly our uh, Delvo plant uh, enzyme range to improve the nutritional value of these, uh, of these products. How long have the new enzymes been in development? Yeah, well, we have been uh, working on, uh, on tailoring the, uh, the applications of these enzymes for the past 18 months. Yeah, again, in some cases, also in close collaboration with some of uh, our, our leading customers. That has led to, to the launch of this portfolio as a first step uh, from an enzyme point of view. Is this part of a general portfolio of plant-based ingredients that you have for a wider range of products? Yeah, so, so, so basically our solution toolbox goes beyond enzymes. So if you look at, uh, yeah, let's say health and, and wellness aspects, we have uh, fortification agents and we are one of the, the biggest vitamin suppliers uh, in the world. And we're, of course, also combining uh, the vitamins in the solution package uh, with customers. And then we also have pre-mixed solutions that includes minerals on top of that. So with those tools, together with uh, the enzymes that improve the sensory and the flavor of these, uh, these products, we can uh, basically cover the, the different bases that are uh, demanded by consumers. Obviously, as we mentioned before, plant-based has really taken off. There's many different companies entering into that space. What makes DSM preferred partner maybe of, of companies when it comes to solutions for the plant-based dairy alternatives? We believe that we are a, a one-stop shop for our customers because of the, uh, the broadness of the portfolio of ingredient solutions that we have. The ones that I did not mention yet are uh, gelomir, our, our hydrocolloids, uh, we have uh, even taste modulation ingredients as well on top of that, and uh, even a source of plant-based protein to uh, to further fortify the uh, the products. And with that broad portfolio and our uh, yeah, long history of serving the dairy sector with solutions crossing the whole chain, uh, yeah, we believe we can really help our customers to bring premium solutions in the plant-based dairy alternative market to life. Um, and apart from our product portfolio. 
We also have in-depth global and regional application know-how that supports the customers. Like, like I already said, the example of Northern Europe preferring less sweet products and Southern Europe consumers uh, requiring more sweet products. And apart from that application and technical expertise, we can also support the customers uh, with regulatory know-how that we have. And last but not least, uh, yeah, the consumer insights that we have can also help to bring innovative and premium branded plant-based dairy alternatives to the market fast. I guess a lot of companies that have never been in plant-based before are looking to enter that particular arena of products. It must be difficult for them in some ways to know exactly what they want. So do they often, would they come to you and say, this is what we are aiming for can you help us get there is that how it would work yeah well we see there a different range of of customers uh, knocking on our doors some know already very well what they want and and really are looking for us to to provide the solution others are actually uh, yeah even starting from scratch and uh, and and are looking for uh, for more support uh, rather than only the ingredient solutions uh, also looking into the manufacturing process etc so right. it's a broad spectrum of customers. But th- those ones that are just entering into the market, you can sort of hold their hand all the way from the idea right the way through to the finished product? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so as an example for uh, if you talk about oat-based drinks, uh, we have uh, a good knowledge base on how to do the processing. Um, so the first step in the process is liquefaction, where you actually uh, dissolve uh, the, the, the matrix and using our uh, enzymes, um, actually uh, improve or reduce the viscosity of the of the liquid phase of, of the oat drink to uh, the viscosity that you actually target. And the second step uh, we call sacrification, where we then convert the matrix into uh, yeah, the sugars that create the, the natural sweetness profile. And um, yeah, we really help the customers to, uh, to fine-tune that process. We see also that there's uh, a dependency on the source or the substrate that they're using at the oat base and the way it's treated. So we help customers to really optimize their process using our ingredient solutions. Next, it's over to Israel and the CEO of InnovaPro, Tali Nechistan, to talk about chickpea protein CP Pro 70, which the European retailer Migro has used to introduce a line of dairy-free yogurt alternatives into its supermarkets. So I first asked Tali if she could give me a little background on the company. InnovaPro is a food tech company. We're operational since 2015. We have a proprietary technology for the extraction of 70% chickpea protein and the other chickpea derivatives. The first uh, commercially available chickpea protein concentrate was launched by Novopro, and uh, we are based in Israel, and we scaled up in North America, so all of our production is supplied to our customers from North America. We were founded by Dr. Asher Shmulovich, who was a physician, but also an engineer. And he wanted to promote health and wellness to his patients, not by handing them drugs or medicines, but by enhancing their health and giving them an opportunity to have a healthy food that will be preventive. So this is how we came up with the idea of uh, chickpea protein and we at Inovo Pro we follow his path and uh, last year we were granted by the European Commission 
with the seal of excellence for our technology. So we're very proud of, of that. I wonder if you could tell me some of the properties of chickpea protein and why it's such a good inv- ingredient in food and beverages. Chickpea protein has a combination of properties that it is uh, uncommon to find in one plant-based protein. You know, when formulating with plant-based proteins, R&D managers are looking for functionality, for good taste, and they're looking also for nutritional value. And nowadays, they're also concerned about allergenicity and about the PDK score, which is the protein digestibility score. And if you're looking at other available and common plant-based proteins that are available, soy protein is an allergen. And in the Western world, there are some issues regarding its taste. And also consumers are concerned about phytoestrogens in soy protein as well. They're looking for an option which is non-allergen. The taste is neutral. And uh, there is no uh, concerns about health issues. And uh, if you're looking at pea protein, it's a very good source of the amino acid profile, very similar to chickpea protein, but it has some challenges when you're looking into functionality and taste. Looking at chickpea protein, you can, you know, mark the checklist it is highly functional ingredient. It's a strong emulsifier. It has strong water and uh, oil binding properties. It has also a foaming capacity and it's highly soluble. And it has a neutral taste. And in food, taste is everything. And the neutral taste for plant-based protein, this is something very uncommon. You don't need any masking agents when you're formulating with chickpea protein. The nutritional value is also very good. It's a non-allergen one and non-GMO one. And if you're looking at other plant-based proteins like wheat, they are sometimes concerned about the GMO as well. And our process is green meaning it is very sustainable. Our chickpea protein has even lower footprint than other plant-based proteins. We source it next to the factory in North America, and we apply green processing approach with no solvents, and the water and energy is also relatively uh, low in consumption versus other processes of uh, extraction. And eventually, the product, the end product, the 70% chickpea protein, CPPO70, as we call it, enables the creation of other clean label products. And this is, I think, the most interesting quality of our chickpea protein. By adding 2 to 4% of chickpea protein to a recipe, let's say, of an egg-free mayonnaise or a non-dairy dessert, or even a vegan ice cream, you can take out unwanted ingredients. You know that consumers today are reading labels. One out of three consumers are reading labels, and sometimes they don't take to their bag or to their shopping cart a product that they feel that the ingredient list 
is inappropriate or looks like a chemical if sometimes. So by using chickpea protein in a formula, you get a six to eight ingredient only formula. You don't need masking agents and you can get rid of the carrageenan, guar gum, and other e-numbers that by consumers approach, they don't feel that they would like to eat this kind of ingredient. And how do you solve any of the challenges that are associated with an ingredient like chickpea? I think that's always formulating with uh, plant-based proteins, even if they are, you know, uh, available in the market, it's always a challenge. And I think that uh, formulating with a new ingredient is even a bigger challenge because people are used to formulating in a way that they do for many years, meaning uh, by long list of ingredients and by adding some ingredients that not always are necessary. And I think our biggest challenge is about educating the market about reformulating and about how to deal with an ingredient that can play very well with very few others, other ingredients and don't need a lot of masking agents, stabilizing agents, and so on. Could you give me a bit of background or tell me how the um, product development happened with Migro? Yes, Migro actually had a CEO that, uh, and a CTO that uh, were looking for new kinds of ingredients. And they visited uh, Israel. They studied the ecosystem of food tech here in Israel, which is quite developed. And they tasted our products. We gave them uh, several products that we formulated in our application lab, uh, like uh, mayonnaise and uh, beverage based on our chickpea protein, as well as uh, an ice cream and a yogurt. And it was a long time ago, like I think uh, almost uh, one and a half or two years ago. And I think that they were amazed by the clean taste and by the clean labelness that the chickpea protein uh, offered. It was for them like good news that it is possible to formulate with few ingredients to make clean label products. And then they took the challenge to create an industrialized product out of it because what we gave them to taste, of course, was a lab application. And their biggest challenge was to make it happen under the roof of an industrialized facility. And it took a while, it was a journey, but they were very successful in it. Are there any other dairy alternative products that this would be suitable for as an ingredient or even dairy products? We're formulating so far with dairy alternative applications only, but I know that the Some customers of us are trying to do some combinations. I can give you the example of Buza ice cream from Israel. It's a chain of uh, fresh ice creams that have now an offering to their customers based on our chickpea protein or all their uh, vegan line. It's a very creamy and tastes like a milk ice cream, but it's based actually on our chickpea protein. And sometimes consumers are 
taking the ice cream back to the seller and tell him, are you sure that this is vegan? And this is for us the biggest compliment. As far as labeling goes, what can companies say about the product in labels? How does it get labeled and uh, can they claim on packaging? Well, uh, it's a clean label product and uh, it has a high protein concentration of 70%. It is GMO free, allergen free, plant based. Of course, we have all the necessary uh, ISO 2001 and so on which is something that interests food companies that are working with us. Are you working on other products at the moment? Yes, we are. We're working uh, in two channels, basically. One is uh, working on the development of new ingredients, um, like the chickpea starch, for example, and we're working also uh, on new applications. Uh, in the dairy alternatives, uh, we're now formulating with cheese, of course, without milk, cheese analogs, and uh, also with ready-to-blend uh, powders. Uh, that is also something that we're working on. The most important thing for InnovaPro is uh, to start new R&D projects with food companies that would like to reformulate, to think clean label, and to offer to their consumers a new offering which is tasty and healthy. And now we head to New Zealand for an interview with Brent Vautier, who is Senior Research Technologist at Fonterra. In the interview, we take a look at a number of things, including the areas of research Fonterra is currently working on, how product development is affected by trends, innovation and collaboration with other institutions and companies, and, among other topics, the company's role in products that address sports nutrition and weight management. What are the current important areas of research Fonterra is working on? So for research, there's been a lot of emphasis on nutrition with emerging areas of interest in metabolic health, mental wellness and immunity. We've built a strong nutrition team within Fonterra that's focused on providing and supporting evidence on the benefits not only of the basic metabolic health characteristics of dairy protein, but also the micronutrients and bioactive components within milk. An example of this might be milk fat globule membranes or specialised lipids. Clinical evidence has shown the importance of these phospholipids in brain development and cognition with benefits to both infants and adults. My role is more in the development of protein products to play both a nutritional and functional role. So over a number of years, there's been a focus on proteins for the nutrition bar applications. We've developed a suite of protein products that can target a range of textures and organoleptic properties in this application. Having the range of proteins enables the customers to blend individual protein ingredients to provide the desired texture and eating experience for their customers. I remember developing products in the early 90s for nutrition bars, which were quite new on the scene. Back then, the format was a dentist dream. They were very tacky and viscous, but of course now we have a range of products to enable our customers to build the texture that they and their consumers want from crunchy right through to soft dough-like textures. And by using strong customer data, we can target the textures that suit individual regional and cultural preferences. 
it's difficult to respond to trends after they've happened because of the timescales involved. So how does the company anticipate what products will be needed in the market? So we work very closely with our customers to not only ensure that the current products are providing the nutrition and functional performance they require, but also understanding their future needs. Our global marketing and sales teams are continuously engaging with our customers to understand their individual and regional needs. I particularly like those moments when our R&D team can give a sales team new products or concepts to exhibit to our customers. Often something completely new and different takes time to get traction. And I guess a good example of that would be our heat-stable WPC 550, where the, the rate of custard demand for that has required us to increase our manufacturing capability just to keep up with supply. We also have numerous platforms of open innovation being used with global communication channels available these days. This kind of opens the door to crowdsourcing ideas. We not only do that globally, but we also have an internal platform connecting our 20,000 employees, of which about half are scattered around the globe. So that's a really useful platform for us to use as well. Is collaboration with your customers and other research bodies such as universities important to Fonterra? Absolutely. Um, Our dairy industry does not employ all the world's brains trust, obviously, and although the skills and knowledge and expertise of our newer generation graduates is, is astonishing, we still do engage in projects with a number of universities, research organizations and entrepreneurial companies to explore areas of science and technology where we have limited skills and resources. Many joint research programs have resulted in New Zealand being first to market with a number of new ingredients and process technologies. And we're constantly scanning for new technologies and scientific findings that might aid us with these new developments. We're also very lucky with our location. So Palmerston North in New Zealand has world-class research organisations and also an agricultural university within walking distance of our own pilot plant and laboratories, you can imagine the benefits of tapping into these resources and knowledges and sometimes just the sharing of specialised analytical and process technology and it's also close to home. Then there are the startup companies that move very quickly to the market where they need the knowledge and ingredients to bring their products to life and these types of companies appear to be more common today and we're working a lot with them as well. How important is product innovation to the company and what's Fonterra and NZMP's approach to developing new products? Okay, so innovation is the heart of what we do. The early pioneers in New Zealand needed to find ways of getting products to the rest of the world. We're isolated, which means that our supply chain is difficult. Refrigerated shipping in the late 1800s meant that primary produce could be shipped to our main customer base, which was on the exact opposite side of the planet. Uh, Dairy produce was being recognised as not just butter, so by about 1912 we had mechanised casein manufacture that meant that we now had ingredients that could be used in many technical applications, Uh, high-grade glues, paints, buttons um, and other plastic type materials was being used in a multiple of applications. When I first started in the dairy industry, nearly all rennet casing was being used for button manufacture and and other plastics. Of course, now it's exclusively pretty much all processed cheeses. Acid casing was used for shadow masking for cathode ray television screens. Well, of course, the plasma tube put the end of that. Whey was either used as pig food or used as fertiliser. So in just that last 30 or 40 years, all of these products have now evolved into highly nutritious and functional food ingredients. 
And I attribute this to the adaptation to change as a result of the constant research and development by our predecessors. They have and they continue to fill our toolbox with the knowledge we use today for our product developments. Even after 40 years of working at FRDC, I still continue to learn every day from the huge pool of talented people that we have. When I started, we had a workforce of probably 95% Kiwis, but now I can sit in a meeting room of 20-odd people and be the only Kiwi-born person in the room. And I find that extraordinary. Um, and I've really enjoyed the journey of thinking globally due to the connection with so many different cultures from around the world. That's probably one of the most rewarding parts of my job. What are you seeing as the most important products that address sports, nutrition and weight management? So if I look at the developments in sports products and weight management products over the last 20 years, I'd have to say that whey proteins and specialised MPCs have been at the forefront. NZMP had numerous casenates and TMPs filling this market space for many years from the early 70s and still do to this day. Whey protein was discovered to be highly nutritious with the ability to be absorbed by the body and into the bloodstream more quickly than casein protein. And this was appealing to the sports people who were looking at quick recovery rates, etc. But whey protein was limited to some applications, particularly where the product needed sterilization or UHT treatments for extended shelf life. There's been many developments over the years to enable wider application use for that product that has been mainly used for RTM formats. For example, WPI 8855, which is used as a clear protein ingredient in beverages. We have the functional MPC range, uh, maybe MPC 4868, which is a fast-absorbing protein for RTDs. And, of course, a personal favourite of mine, which is WPC 550, which is a very heat-stable WPC used in high-end medical RTDs. We also have WPC 510, which is a brilliant for a range of applications like bars, bakery, and high-protein yogurts. There are a large number of other specialist ingredients that we have, and no doubt there'll be more to come in the future. It's hard to get through any interview without mentioning coronavirus at some point, but with the pandemic, there would appear to be an increased interest in immunity, healthy products. How does the company decide how to respond to that, and how does it then go about innovation to respond to those challenges? Yeah, so coronavirus per se has not changed the platforms of our innovation. We've been building the understanding of what the body needs to support immunity and recovery from traumatic illnesses for some time. And we'll continue to learn more about this and how our products can play part and support that well-being of people. I think that what this terrible pandemic has taught us is the changing trends of how people purchase and consume food products. From my own experience, our family was paying more attention to food. The quality, the shelf life, the diversity of diet was different than normal. Normally you just come home and cook a meal after work, but that was changing. We were now three meals a day. There was a lot more home baking and cookies. So I think there's really room for this healthy indulgence and how protein might deliver some benefit there. I think that what is changing is how people are purchasing products you know, with online purchasing becoming mainstream for a lot of consumer items. And we're continuously looking at these trends and making sure that we can deliver the appropriate nutritional needs for a diverse customer base. For example, if you look at the specialised e-gaming competitors who demand highly nutritious, convenient, easy-to-eat formats with a focus on cognitive benefits, that's a very specific consumer demand. And I think that these are considerations I believe that we need to look at in the future and what our consumer needs really are. In terms of direct response, 
that Frontier has had in, in this pandemic. Um, I did hear one good news story around one of our customers needing to manufacture more RTD product to assist patients recover from this illness. And Fonterra did produce a year's production of one of the key protein ingredients in just six days. And then in collaboration with Air New Zealand, our local air freight business, that product was then air freighted immediately after quality checks to our customer. And I can only imagine the logistical organisation that that took, you know, uh, shows the dedication of all our manufacturing and supply chain teams to make that happen in a world that was just changing so quickly. Is Fonterra active in the current plant-based trend? Yes, so absolutely. In fact, more than 15 years ago, I was involved in projects looking at synergies with plant proteins in both liquid and solid formats. Dairy protein is one of the highest quality proteins we can consume, so when you add that with plant-based food products, we can elevate that nutritional value considerably. It's well recognised that in nutrition bars, there are often blends of plant and milk protein concentrates. Recently, we also identified and developed ingredients that are used for protein fortification of products normally reserved for plant only. For example, baked goods, breads, cookies, cakes, pancakes, those sorts of things. In fact, each of these formats requires different ingredients to either be unnoticed or to actually enhance the taste and texture of these products. Obviously, dairy is what we do, but we certainly acknowledge the importance of plant-based foods and will adapt to these changing trends, but we're confident that we've got the products that bring the nutrition and functionality that our customers require. Of course, Fonterra isn't the only company creating innovative value-added products. What does Fonterra do differently to create products that other companies aren't and that lead the way? Okay, so I think without doubt we need to give credit to our predecessors, the scientists that turned their focus to understanding dairy chemistry, and then the engineers that could turn those ideas into commercial processes. In the 60s and 70s, there was huge advancements in the ability to make high-quality products consistently and at scale. Our research organisation has been going for nearly 80 years, and it's kind of morphed over time, where we now use the power of cross-functional teams rather than particular product groups. So there's more focus now on the application, the end applications. So if we take, for example, Obviously, I've been involved with WPC 550, and I have been since its invention. And over the years, we've developed that product and got a really, really good understanding of how it performs in the final application. So now we're actually telling customers how to use the product successfully. Our work environment is amazing. Our culture is one of complete sharing, and I think that that's something really to grasp hold of. There's a real passion that we have to be the best. And of course, in New Zealand, we only consume around 5% of the dairy products we produce. So we do need to be at the forefront of ingredient development. It's a major part of our economy. And in my view, we do it rather well. And now it's over to Dublin for our weekly look at the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton from StoneX. Butter and skim milk powder uh, this week were probably uh, stronger, really, particularly between now and March of 21. I guess with skim milk powder, uh, basically that 2000 level appeared to be a good support level at which prices stopped going down and uh, bounced a little bit. Butter, um, on the other hand, I guess, has um, been very quiet uh, through the summer with a lot of people on holidays. 
but the fact that cream has been remaining relatively strong has been keeping a, a bid under butter. The near months, September butter has been up around 30 euros to around the 34.10 level. Quarter four is up maybe around 20, 25 euros to the 34, 2025 level. Quarter one butter then is up around 15, 20 euros to the 34, 25 level. Uh, still pretty much a flat market, which is similar as well in, in skim milk powder. Uh, September up about 20 euros to the 2040 level. Quarter four has been a bit stronger than trading closer to the 2080 level, uh, up around 70, 70 euros on the week. And uh, the same in quarter one of next year for skim milk powder up around 70 euros to around the 2110 level. Way on the other hand has been has been lower and probably trading closer to around in quarter four um, midpoint around 715, 720 level. Thanks, Liam. We'll catch up with you again next week. StoneX, formerly INTLFC Stone, provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's all we have for you on this podcast. We're already working on the next one, and I have three interviews set up for later today and one for tomorrow, if my voice holds up. I'm about to pop into the garden to see if I can find some interesting ingredients for a new ice cream flavour so I can sell it to a restaurant in Lithuania, as long as it doesn't start raining in the next five minutes, which it may. And so, until next time, wherever you may be, I hope you have a great week. Stay safe, take care, and as always... Thanks for listening.